Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us on our 86th episode of the podcast where you get a chance to talk to strength and conditioning coach at Auburn University, Coach Chris Joyner. Coach Joyner is the current strength and conditioning coach for the baseball team at Auburn University. He's been there since August of 2018. This will become his fourth season. Uh, prior to Auburn, coaching at Auburn, he was spent 16 years in pro ball. He was a major league strength coordinator for the Toronto Blue, Blue Jays from the 2014 to 2017. He was a major league strength and conditioning co- coordinator for the Brewers in 2007 to 2010. He was also the minor league coordinator for the Blue Jays 2003 to 2006. Worked with more than 100 players in, in the system. Worked with Roy Halladay during that time. And through his time in Major League Baseball, he's really worked with some of the best that were playing, some of the best in the world. Guys like Roy Halladay, Trevor Hoffman, Jose Bautista, Josh Donaldson. Guys worked with some extremely talented players. And now he's getting to work with SEC players at Auburn. Uh, working with hand in hand with Tim Hudson as well as Bush Thompson, so he's bringing some great experience, perspective on things, and we get a chance to talk to him about his programming, his program, his challenges through COVID. We get a chance to talk about conditioning. We get a chance to talk about a number of things that he feels and that they're trying to do at Auburn, such as being your own coach, running your own ship, something that comes up right away. Uh, you can hear a lot, though, about how he is a true coach, um, trying to figure out what's best for each kid, not really hung up on saying, oh, we have to do it this way, we have to do it this way. So really depending on the kid, depending on the what the person is doing, what the person, how the person performs, and it's important. So um, great conversation with Coach Joyner. Really appreciate his time. And... Really appreciate our sponsors. Uh, Will Miner and guys at Nanny Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Nanny Professionals specialize in design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact Will Miner. Contact the guys at Netting Pros at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. So again, thanks, Will. Thanks to the guys at Netting Pros for being part of the Netting Pros chat. Appreciate those guys helping us make this episode possible with strength and conditioning coach at Auburn University, Coach Chris Joyner. I always wanted to kind of open up my own place, but that probably wasn't the time after just getting let go, you know, even though I was uh, fortunately still getting paid in my last year there. But uh, just some time to step away and, and honestly – just hang out with my family. You know, we've got three kids and, you know, spending time with them. And that last year in Toronto, I think I saw them 
like 26 days between, you know, the end of spring training mm. and, you know, the season ending in October. And I was home for, I think, six of that for a hurricane because we had, you know, a bad hurricane season that year. And I was, man, this is <laughs> not sustainable, you know. Um, mm. But it was just, you know, spending time with them and um, deciding what I wanted to do. So there was a baseball and softball little indoor facility down where we lived and just kind of got in with um, the guy that was running the strength program there. It was a good opportunity to kind of fill in in the gap, still trying to decide what I wanted to do, but at least I was, you know, helping train and coach and kind of help that business um, maybe pick up a little bit more. Um, and Florida State actually came open uh, their baseball job and, and Matt and I and, and I are good friends. He was an intern for me in Toronto and just knew my situation and just out of the blue said, Hey man, Florida state's open. Are you interested? And I'm like, I never really thought about college. Um, not that I couldn't program multiple sports, but you know, 16 years or so in, in professional baseball, it's, it's what you do and you live and breathe every day. Yeah. And, and so kind of jumping into that opportunity and, um, the assistant trainer in Milwaukee at the time, um, or he was head trainer at the time, was an assistant when I was there. And then one of our trainers that graduated from Auburn, um, he's one of their trainers up there now too. So I just sent um, Dan Wright, who was a trainer at the time, a text just saying, hey, man, just so you know, if, if Florida State reaches out, you're on my my reference list. And he was the one that graduated from here and maybe he talked about it. And it was literally two days later, uh, Dave Yeager said, Hey man, Auburn's open. Are you interested? I'm like, what the heck is going on? You know, so it was, um, never heard anything back from Florida state. Didn't really have a connection there. Um, but, uh, had a connection here in, in Auburn with, uh, obviously Dave Yeager and Anthony Sanderson was a, a minor league trainer in Milwaukee when I was there. And, uh, so the name was familiar, uh, couldn't put a face to a name, you know, but ended up speaking with him. Gabe Gross, who's our third base coach and hitting coach, was a player in Toronto and in Milwaukee when I was there. So, you know, he was growing up here. He went to school here and um, Auburn through. So I didn't reach out to know his cell phone number worked anymore. I was like, hey, Gabe, this is, you know, CJ still at Auburn. He's like, hey, man, I heard you might be coming, you know. So we we chatted for a bit and, um, you know, just kind of really happened fast. I believe I talked to Anthony on a on a Thursday or Friday. Uh, Coach Thompson was actually in Milwaukee for Team USA that year, and he was kind of flying back uh, into Auburn, I believe, that Monday. So we hopped on a call, and um, obviously Butch had probably been digging around a little bit, trying to to find out some information about me. And um, next thing you know, I'm on the phone with him, and he said, "What well, we got to do to get you to come to Auburn?" I said, "Well, you got to convince my wife first, right? Because she's uh, um, been unbelievably." um patient and <laughs> sacrificed a lot of stuff to uh to support what I've been doing, you know, traveling around the country and, and being home, taking away, you know, taking care of three kids all on her own, it feels like like a single mother, right? So I wanted to make sure she was okay with it. So we loaded up the kids, drove up from um just north of Tampa and and met with Coach Thompson and the staff and everything here at Auburn and it just seemed like a really good fit. Um, you know, he asked me what I wanted to know and wanted to see and I'd never been through the recruiting process, obviously in, in the minor leagues, you get guys that are at, you know, colleges and universities that come through. And I had no idea you hear about it. I know anything about college, right? So uh, just said, treat me like a recruit. And, you know, we had breakfast coach Thompson and I and, and coach gross and the rest is history. 
you know, just from selling me on Auburn, his philosophy, what his expectations were, um, kind of what the team was going to look like, you know, just felt, uh, I always talk about um, Auburn and family and and you probably hear about that and and it is, it's family and and you can kind of sense that right away, Um, you know, smaller town, slower pace, heck of a lot slower than I was used to. And and one of the, the nation's growing counties and where we lived, you know, just north of Tampa and Pasco County to a little bit smaller and slower paced life here, which, which I needed, you know, I felt like just, we were always sprinting and, you know, the major league season is so long and you're away from your family. It's, it's nice to kind of slow down, take a step back, you know, exhale and breathe and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's been exciting. Get to go to Omaha in your first year, you should get the silver spoon and and then, (laughs) No idea. Obviously, you, you hear about it and, and to be able to experience that and go through, you know, the rigors of a college season, which isn't even close to a major league season. But, you know, it's it's still a grind and, and crazy how we ended up getting there and, you know, things like that. And, and me never going through an SEC tournament, um, going through, you know, making a regional, getting to a super regional and then getting to Omaha. You know, so I, I don't think we played a home game the last month and a half of the season because yeah. we were on the road or at the tournament and all of a sudden, you know, you got to go on the road and play a regional, a super regional, and you end up hopping on a plane, you know, a day and a half later. And next thing you know, you're in Omaha, Nebraska, <laughs> getting mm-hmm. ready for the world series. So um, yeah, man, it's been crazy. It's been fun. And obviously the second year COVID hit and, and kind of messed everything up and picking up the pieces and, you know, having a, a crazy fall the year after and just all the restrictions that we had and the year that we had last year, unfortunately. And, and that's not acceptable, right? You know, it's in the Power Five and, and obviously in the SEC, um, probably the most competitive division or, you know, conference, whether it's football, baseball, whatever, you know, expectations are high and just had a lot of run-run losses and, you know, for whatever reason it was. And and so, you know, I, I think we lost a lot of time, no excuses during COVID and things like that. Everybody was was probably under the same, you know, restrictions and protocols, things like that. But it, it was tough, you know, with just the way we had to set up and train in smaller groups and, and things like that to keep us all safe, right? It was all to right. keep us safe. And just kind of the, you know, the team unity and just we had to spread out and it was just, you know, it was crazy. Weird. And, and it is what it is. And, you know, this year having a, a quote-unquote regular fall is just now we can kind of get back to baseball. We can scrimmage every day, you know, once our fall team practices started, we can train a little bit harder. You know, we can get in a little bit of that, of kind of the progression of our uh, facilities and kind of strength and conditioning program. But, you know, it's got to go through the ups and downs and, and no excuses. But, you know, I think our guys are really hungry to, to kind of get back at it and have a, a normal year, so to speak. So uh, we're ready to rock and roll, man. Oh, awesome, man. I was just – the couple of things that come into my mind was like, you know, especially with the guys you have at Auburn, you know, of course you're going to have guys in the draft and – and that, like you said, uh, the comment you made about like, you know, the major league season is not, I mean, the college season is not anything like the major league season, but I think what you'd be able to bring to kind of give them perspective, you know, on that for their draft picks and the guys are looking to play at the next level. I'm sure that's pretty valuable experience. Yeah. And, and I actually talk about that when we have, um, you know, recruits in, whether it's an official or unofficial. Right, visit. right, right like that is just to, you know, we're, we're selling our program. Uh, we're selling our people, our coaching staff, obviously the city, what we're all about as an Auburn family. And I always mention that it's, you know, not the grind, particularly, like I said, of the, the length of a major league season, but 
but it is to them, right? It's all relative with all the classes they have going on. You know, those freshman kids are away from their families probably for the first time, still right. learning the ropes, um, you know, scheduling, things like that. If they're falling behind in class and and just kind of learning about life, living on and, and they throw baseball season on top of it, right? With practices. And obviously we're, we're limited with certain hours that, that we can have them in depending on the phase of the year, uh, whether you're in your eight hour or 20 hour weeks or things like that. But, you know, we always mention just being prepared for that. And I've kind of taken that approach to our guys. I don't, obviously they're, they're young kids or training age or biological age. And, you know, we, we can talk about that and get to specifics, but you know, I want having that experience and kind of been there in player development, I'm treating them the same way as if they were, are going to be, because that's what most of them strive to be is, is to be able to play professional baseball beyond, you know, how competitive the SEC is. And I think just by the nature of that competition, um, you know, facing the best hitters in the country, if you're a pitcher uh, and as a hitter facing the best, you know, pitchers typically in the country, you're, you're preparing for that on the field with your skill work and your position work and, and just, you know, end game. And I want to treat them that way in the weight room as well. Coach Thompson always talks about running, being able to run your own show, make your own adjustments. Obviously we're, we're here to coach and educate on, on all fronts, whether it's skill work or strength conditioning, athletic training room, nutrition, recovery, sleep, all that. Um, but I, I don't want to baby them. I want to, I want them to understand that, Hey, you know, when, when a scout, reaches out and, and talks to staff uh, and me in particular, they're going to ask certain questions and um, hopefully my experience and, and people that have known me in the industry um, are going to say, Hey, what is this? What is this guy all about? You know, we had Tanner Burns um, a couple of years ago who, um, you know, first round pick, he's a stud. Uh, his routine is on point. He learned that from, you know, Keegan Thompson and Casey Mott before him. And, I needed to to do my best because he's a guy that's hungry and, and, and that's his desire. That's his, he lives and breathes getting to the next level and wants to know how to do it every single day. And, and just so kind of having that mindset of how do I help establish that routine so they can run their own show and have expectations of, Hey, how did this guy do it in the big leagues? Oh, you had Josh Donaldson who happened to play at Auburn and you know, he's, he's been here to visit. And so, not only me saying that, but listening to Josh talk about it when he's around is not that we're cutting out a bunch of the, the fluff or like skipping steps or anything like that, but guys want to know how to accelerate what they're doing because they, they kind of know what's next, if that makes sense. And so terminology that, that we would use um, in professional baseball is for, you know, as far as exercises or positioning or, you know, all that stuff, sets and reps and just being able to condition and giving them options, understanding how their body moves, what corrective exercises are important based on their movement trains, things like that is they need to be able to do that on their own. Cause I'm not always going to be around our athletic trainers, not always going to be around, you know, how do they make those adjustments on their own and, and just trying to equip them um, with all of those things to be able to take care of themselves, because hopefully they're obviously going to be supported by the next organization that they join. But I think, you know, now, with, especially with less developmental levels within a professional baseball organization, you know, some of those guys might be better off staying in college and being able to train at nice that we have because they yeah. get longer to develop better competition, um, 
you know, on the teams that we play in the conference that we're in, um, because you're probably not going to get that with all due respect in a lower level, um, you know, short season, a ball team or rookie ball team. Right. So I think the onus is on us and, and the scouts will ask like, Hey, you know, how hard is this guy working? Um, knowing the facilities that we have and, and the coaches that we have and, and kind of the experience that we have, especially at the professional level, not only in, in my room, but within our coaching staff even is, you know, they're better off staying there and not trying to jump out of the draft early. Obviously yeah. they're going to have to make a decision for themselves and their family and depending on where they're, you know, projected to go in those things. But I think, you know, it's, it's on us as, um, you know, coaches and especially what we do because we spend so much time with them is preparing them to be ready for the next level because once they get there, hopefully it's a, a quicker acceleration for some of those guys, you know, and they, and they don't have time to develop. If, if that makes any sense. I mean, obviously yeah, it's still not such a shell league, shock is what you're saying, basically. No, it's not a shell shock. And hopefully right. they're, they're ready to contribute at a faster right. rate than they would have been if they're sitting in short season, a ball for two or three years, you know? So um, it, it's cool to kind of be a part of that process. Guys ask questions all the time. Like I said about how was this guy? What did he do? I'm like, you guys are doing the same thing, right? You just got to get the mindset of, hey, you know, I got to learn this. I have to understand it. Um, it, The quicker I can understand it, I can kind of coach myself. I can coach my teammates. And I'm asking for in the weight room from a mastering patterning standpoint, for instance, you know, they can coach themselves because they know what it looks like. They know what it feels like. Well, you're going to be expected to do that at the next level as well. So the sooner you can learn it, they can kind of just move on and, and keep getting more refined. Um, because they don't have to spend the time teaching you how to kettlebell swing, right? Like they can build on that or we're always tweaking it and doing things like that. But I think the point is just, you know, getting a step ahead, understanding what's going on, dial into your routine, write it down, journal it, understand what good weeks look like, bad weeks look like, what adjustments we made, you know, all those pieces of paper you tore up and ripped up and threw in the, the trash can. No, let's, let's look at it and, and understand that if something's going really bad, you know, we're not, tearing up the whole program it's did you get enough sleep the night before did you have a final exam the night before you made your start on friday night which is you know setting the tone for the weekend um you know your program was solid you didn't drink enough you're dehydrated you cramped up you had to come out of the game you know those types of things is and journaling and and just understanding and it takes a lot it's an effort it's a commitment but you know we've encouraged our guys to do that um since the time i've been here and, and that's on coach thompson coach hudson is we can look back at it and make adjustments, but if you don't keep track of what's going on, we kind of don't know where to, to start. And I think that's just part of the educational process of understanding that, taking that with you, hopefully to the next level and, and understanding kind of what makes you feel good. What doesn't, what worked, why did we change this? You know, why did we not change that? It's been good, man. Just especially at this level of teaching and coaching, not that you don't do that at the professional level. I think it's just making a bigger impact here because you're, they're hungry. They want to understand how to get to the next level. And, you know, luckily I've been there and I've worked with, you know, Hall of Famers, <laughs> MVPs, things like that. And that's not, you know, name drop or anything like that, but those experiences and, and being at that level, like that's awesome. And that's where these kids want to be. You know, our student athletes want to be there and being on TV one day or, you know, being in a world series one day and, just helping them out navigate through that process. Cause it's tough. It's a long journey, you know, long years, long days. It's a game of failure too. Right. So it's like, yeah. you know, you only have to be good three out of 10 times if you're in the box. Right. And uh, yeah. on the mound is tough. And and so 
you know, they get discouraged a lot. They have a lot of other distractions, just like professional athletes do too. Right. But it's, it's just a lot. putting on a ton of hats and, and using your experience. You know, I'm not getting any younger, so I got a couple, you know, gray hairs in the beard, but you know, as, as best advice as I can give them. And, you know, it's about developing trust and, Coach Thompson always talked about, you know, street cred and things like that and bringing in a staff with a lot of street, uh, you know, street cred. But um, to be at the level to use that experience because they want to know um, what do I need to do to get there and how do I stay focused to do that. I know it's probably really easier for you to think about developing trust. You know, a guy comes in like, look, this guy's been a major league strength coach. And so I guess it's easy. But, like, you know, I mean, and you understand that being in this, like, what do you do continually to keep that trust? I think just listen to them. I think that's what I learned, you know, coming up, you know, in the minor leagues, dealing with, uh, you know, players from all walks of life, whether it's, um, you know, Dominican Republic, um, you know, Puerto Rico, any of those, Venezuela, coming to a different country, like, I felt when I went over to visit our Dominican Academy, right? Like I didn't understand the culture, have an appreciation for it. But what those kids um, kind of have to get, you know, go through to get to the U S to be able to play. And, and, you know, our U S kids didn't particularly understand, you know, that, that either, you know, and, and just their, their drive and desire to work because that's, you know, their way to the U S is, is through baseball. So you can see and appreciate that passion and desire and, and work ethic and skill, um, you know, with, with limited resources in, in some respects where, you know, in the U S we've got all the bells and whistles and uh, maybe develop at different rates and, and don't necessarily have appreciation. because We always, you know, have all those resources at our disposal. And so um, just being able to, to kind of guide them and, and just say, Hey, you know, we've, I've been there, I've seen it, I've done it. And, you know, this is what I've seen happen. This is where I've seen guys get in trouble. You know, guys are trying to be bodybuilders and that's just not going to work if you're on the mound, you know, just because you're, you're big and strong and bulky, you're, you never seen a bodybuilder throw a baseball. Right. And that's what we used to say. Um, back in the day, but you know, it's just using those experiences and, and saying, Hey man, this, we've been there and done that. We've, we're trying to, you know, keep you out of situations that you, you want to make these decisions when you're young and you just don't know. And, and so I guess, you know, older and wiser, I'm not sure, but. Um, so, so you said you basically talked about, I guess, getting into that, like just diving in a little bit of that, of like, I guess the kind of body. So do you have a certain type of body or I guess a certain type of vision for each kid to say, Hey, here's where, where you should look like. And then they kind of build towards that. I don't think there's a specific, you know, frame in mind or things like that. I think, you know, we, we just get, get kids in that are, that are all different, I guess you would say shapes and sizes, right? Sure. And, sure. And what we're, we're trying to do now um, is just create athlete profiles. And that's not only within baseball, that's within uh, all of our Olympic sports teams here. And so, you know, some type of movement assessment, uh, some type of, you know, movement screen, whatever it is. Uh, we're doing some force plate analysis with Sparta. Um, you know, we're doing range of motion measurements within the training room. And, you know, maybe we're dabbling in some GPS as we're just 
you know, into your normal height, weight, body comp, all that type of stuff is just, you know, for us and, and kind of getting back to scouts is like, what's the development from the day they stepped in, right? It's like the, the first time you get guys in into your minor league complex is like, what, what do they look like? You know, if they're from, you know, the Dominican Academy or, or one of those Latin American academies, they're all a heck of a lot younger and, and training age, you know, they haven't gotten the weight room. Right. And so right. you get a high school kid that you just signed uh, that's never really lifted weights before. And so you're, you're kind of developing those profiles, doing your baseline tests. And that's what we try to do here is, you know, kind of having the FMS background. Um, when I got to Toronto, it's just bringing in, you know, Greg Cook, Lee Burton, Kyle Kiesel, all those guys, and just kind of giving us an understanding, especially the movement piece, you know, and Greg talks about performance and then skill at the top of the pyramid. It's just really understanding what that means, right? It's like movement is the foundation. And if there's a crack in it, whatever's on top of it is going to fall down. And that's what I always tell uh, our guys just to give them that illustration. Um, everybody wants to be bigger, faster, and stronger. That's what we all talk about. And that, that term has probably um, been overused. But I think for them to understand, we all have that goal to get you there. You guys are going to get there at different rates, and that's okay but you have to have a baseline understanding of movement and what goes into that because, you know, you tell me you want to throw 98, but you've got some movement restrictions and you don't use your lower body and you're throwing with your arm. And that's probably for a recipe for disaster um, to where let's see what the force plate is telling us. How's your explode? How's your load? How's your drive? What does that look like? Let's keep track of your fastball velocities and average velocities over the course of the fall see kind of where the gaps are compared to your FMS. Like those are some things I think, you know, we've kind of started to dabble into and getting more specific as we, as we move on and, and collect that data is what does that profile look like? What is that? And we're not relying on just one piece. I think it's, you know, looking at all those um, together if we can across the board, as well as injury history and no program can prevent injuries hundred percent. We mm -hmm. never advertise that. We'll never say that. But our job is to recognize some red flags, understand that if you can't do a body weight squat, I'm not going to put a bar on your back. Right. Um, you might be goblet squatting for a little bit with a band on your knees while your buddy over here is maybe loading up a bar on their back, but you've got to earn the right to do that. <clears throat> and they have to be okay with that. They have to understand, I think, to kind of get back to one of the questions you previously asked me and I, I totally forgot to think, but to build that trust, they have to understand that you have their best interest. And I think once they understand, Hey, this is the way I used to do it. This doesn't look right. This doesn't feel right. I've always just kind of muscled through it, you know, and I've had some low back stuff. Well, why do you want to put a bar on your back? <laughs> you know, and it's just like, well, nobody's ever said that before. So I think if you, if you tell them the why they understand, but if you say, Hey, you can't squat, you can't do this because everything they do is a game of failure, right? And in the weight room, if I'm nitpicking every single thing that they do, they're not going to want to come in there and lift, right? Because they, they just get blown up on the field all the time. And, and so having the weight room kind of be a, you know, a safer place where they can just train, understand how to train, understand how they have movements or you know, mobility limitations, joint limitations affect a simple movement pattern 
they they begin to understand and then it's a translation piece of okay i was on the mound and i kind of felt this is this what we were talking about yesterday yes it is and then how do you attack it right because we've done a screen you've been assigned corrective exercises we've tried to individualize your program and they start to to kind of put those pieces together and and that's kind of the beauty of of what we're trying to do is when those you know, our student athletes understand, our players understand, hey, you guys just aren't a bunch of meatheads in there and you're trying to, you know, get us hurt. And that's the last thing we want to do, right? When guys get hurt in a weight room, you take it personally. Oh, sure. Because something went wrong, right? They didn't understand it. They weren't braced for a deadlift, right? They've had something go on or, you know, they've played five scrimmages in a row and I'm not going to blow them out in the weight room, right? We understand that they're fatigued their jump score showed us they were fatigued. And the last thing I'm going to do is say, Hey, get under the bar or, you know, try to pull this heavy weight off the ground is go over there and grab the foam roller and the, uh, the hyperized gun. And then when you're done with that, go get in the hot tub. Right. So I think yeah. just the relationship is trust is they understand I'm, I'm going to push them when they need to be pushed, but I'm, um, I'm also reasonable to understand that they're getting beat up on the field right now and in the classroom and I know their jumps are down and they're probably overtrained or like not necessarily overtrained, but they're fatigued. Their readiness is not optimal. And they understand that, right. I'm just not going to run them into the ground at 6 AM in the morning, (laughs) you know, things like that. So um, I think that's where that piece understands is I'm not playing baseball anymore. I've seen it at the highest level. I understand what those guys have to go through. I know what you guys are going through right now. And, and then the off season or, you know, before our fall team practice starts, like, yeah, we're going to get up early and we're going to need to get after it um, because we missed out on some time a year ago and we need to be tougher. We need to have a little more grit, all those buzzwords that you hear um, a lot more team building type stuff. You know what? It, it yeah. happens. You got to get up, you got to grind, but we're not going to do that uh, in the middle of fall practice when we're scrimmaging, uh, you know, most days a week or right in the middle of the season. And so, they understand that, you know, and some guys probably don't like it because um, it is getting up early, but there's a lot to say, you know, a lot to be said when, and, and everybody's doing that, right? You see all these Omaha challenges and we'll probably do something similar here in, in the next week or so wrapping up fall. But I think they buy in more when they understand and appreciate um, that you have their best interest at heart. For sure, yeah, that's definitely a big time trust factor. Uh, it, like I said, it just it just pay. I mean, I would just just listen to what you say. As it's so valuable to have a guy like if you just just being the baseball coach and knowing all those things, uh, and realizing it. Um, let's say let's just give me a scenario of like you know because at the high school level, lower level, um, you know they don't have a guy like that. Um, let's say the coach is trying, like, you kind of mentioned this, like, Hey, when we're in season doing it, it sounds like, you know, you're very, very much involved with them working out in season, out of season, finding time to do that. Um, I guess what I'm trying to get, get at is a matter of, you know, what, what does like your in season program look like, you know, as you're doing it right now in the fall, as you're kind of building up this strength, or I guess the foundation right now that you're going to push them through the year. Yeah. And leading up to that, you know, we're, we have the rest of this week, next week, they go home for Thanksgiving break, come back Mm -hmm. for about two weeks for finals. And then we don't see them again until probably the second week of January. 
around okay. January 12th when they start school again. And then we've got six weeks before we play our first game. Mm. And so, you know, in, in all sports, I think the most critical time of the year to, to develop that strength because they're not playing is in the off season. Um, we don't necessarily have a, a true off season per se, because there's a 45 day window where we have team practice and scrimmages, right? Because we're, right. we're trying to get that in. And so um, it's tough. And especially not knowing what equipment they have at home uh, access to, you know, fortunately a lot of these guys can go back, you know, to their high schools where they, where they were, you know, they're just a few years out of high school and most of them are very accommodating or, you know, local facilities, things like that. Or, you know, if you're local, they can, they can come here and train. Um, like, will you, give them, will you give them a program? Like, will you get, will you be able to give them a program if they put it on an app or something like that where they can follow? Yeah. And so, and so what I typically do to kind of combat all these challenges, right? Because they're, they're not with you all the time and you don't know when they're going to work out is there's a, a, like I said, about a six week block where I usually give them a pick list. And so for me, it's all about the patterning. Um, you know, push, pull, squat, hinge, loaded carry. You've heard it from Dan John. He's awesome. Uh, you know, spoke at a lot of our conferences and, and listened to him and, and he's awesome and just really keeping it simple. Right. And that's kind of, not only the philosophy year round, but especially, you know, when I don't have them is to give them options within the pattern. So options within the squat. And I usually have, you know, primary squat. So squat one, two, and three, um, and just three options within those. So depending on what they have available to them, they can kind of pick and choose what it is for that day, you know, and giving them some suggestions for two uppers, two lowers, two total bodies, whatever it is. And so our athletic trainer and I, along with our, you know, pitching coaches, um, we'll put together the throwing program. We'll give it to them in a calendar. So we'll do the best we can. And, and some guys may start their throwing program at different times, depending on when we shut them down and to get them ready for when they come back, you know, we'll have scrimmages leading up to the season as well. And so we, we get as comprehensive as we can on that calendar from, um, you know, their throwing program, their arm care program, their forearm program, what their weight room option is that day, if it's an upper or lower or total, uh, what their conditioning is, things like that, and just spell it out, what their throwing program is up to distance and feet, sets and reps. And so we try to detail it out as best we can, knowing that especially during the holiday season, um, guys are going to change, you know, and shift their calendars around, right? So I think trying to plan for the off season during – you think of Christmas break, for instance, like it's tough, right? You got new year's, you've got Christmas, you're maybe in town, out of town. You can't plan for every scenario. And so you're just saying, Hey, you know, of these days, here's the recommendations you can get, you know, whether it's two uppers, two lowers, um, maybe an upper lower and a total around your Christmas parties or your vacation or your trips. Maybe it's a body weight circuit, maybe it's some jump rope, maybe some different conditioning. We try to spell it out, give them pick lists and options. So they don't feel like they're locked in to one particular thing, right? I think sometimes you get that you have to do this or this, but I think it's a little more generic, but I think they understand those, those primary patterns, especially, you know, and, and, and their secondary patterns and tertiary work. They understand kind of, you know, if you have access to this, go ahead and hit it while you can. And if you're on the road and you have access to a TRX or not that you're going to the beach in the winter, but we're going to run around the beach and do a beach work, you know, those types yeah. of things is, kind of plan ahead. Um, you know, if they wanted to take 
you know, a stretch band home with them, a foam roller, things like that, lacrosse ball, like, hey, just get a little something in, some mini band walks, some bodyweight squats, here's a TRX, whatever it is. You know, they they can do it. The whole thing is don't be locked into one thing. I understand that the schedule is going to be messed up. Do the best you can. And so when they come back, obviously we've got six weeks, like I said, and we are going to be playing scrimmages. So it's a little bit tougher I think to plan. And so what my, I guess the, the easiest way to answer your question is we have to adapt to not only the skill work that we're doing, the scrimmages that we're going to have um, because it's not just still the off season. It's almost like the preseason. And so right. the way I've, I've treated it here is almost like spring training. And, you know, you've got that 45 days leading up to the season, so to speak of you're still hitting the most important patterns. Your accessory works a little bit different. You can still ramp up conditioning a little bit, but you're going to have guys throwing bullpens. You're going to have starters trying to get on a seven day routine because they usually throw, you know, once every seven days here, you know, if you're a Friday guy, Saturday, Sunday, you're going to have your midweek guy is, is that's the kind of time where things start to, to split up a little bit. And so we're trying to get our starting pitchers on their routines um, you know, setting those guys up if we know that ahead of time. And sometimes we don't know, um, or we may trade a series of guys as a Friday night starter because we don't know, but we're trying to get them on that routine. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Your relief pitchers, your relief pitchers are probably throwing bullpens, getting ready into games. Maybe they're scripted into games. Maybe it's random. Sometimes it just depends on, on what coach Thompson or, you know, coach Hudson want to do, but I almost treat relievers like position players. So if we, are going to set up our scrimmages like our season would be a midweek on Tuesday and then a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. I would lift our position players normally on those Mondays and Thursdays because Wednesday is typically our off day. Um, and so those are, you know, you go from trying to train four days a week in our, in our off season, so to speak to, all right, it's still kind of off season, but it's preseason not typically sure, you know, what we might be doing is, all right, I've got two days to get the most bang for my buck. Now on Wednesday on their off day, if they want to come in and, and do some mobility work, um, we always encourage recovery. Uh, maybe some guys want to get an extra lift and, and they want to come in on their own. They, they certainly can. And then, you know, we're playing on those other days, right? So um, you got to get your most bang for your buck on those days. Cause you don't have four days anymore if we're doing it that way, you know, and then during the season, we try to, do the same exact thing. So our starters are relatively easy, right? Um, because we know when they're going to throw relievers, right. we don't. And so we don't want to go a long time without those relievers. And I'm sure you've had other string coaches say the same thing is if you can be as consistent as you can on those training days, they know what to expect. Um, and so that Monday, Thursday, um, usually works out for them, uh, just like a position player. And so we've, we've had some success, um, with that. Obviously, if you're, at home and have access to your own facility. Um, you know, you could throw in an extra lift or so, or just have a, a light recovery session, maybe on the weekend after a light practice or something like that. Um, and then, you know, once we get into the season, you know, we're, we're pretty front loaded with home games, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then just from a consistency standpoint, right. Right. And, just the schedule itself. Standpoint. And then when you go on the road, it, it gets a little trickier. You know, fortunately, we we go to some pretty nice places who are very accommodating to us where, you know, if we're playing on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we'll always get in Thursday, practice that night. Um, 
you know, starting pitcher, obviously not going to be starting Friday is going to work out, but he's going to be doing something, you know, and then those other guys that are behind him stacked on the weekend. I always travel with, um, you know, a travel trunk, uh, some kettlebells and, and just everything I need, whether it's a workout in the hotel or in the bullpen, clipping stuff to the fence. Um, I took power blocks on the road last year and you just get all those guys to, to humping on the bus and, and here we go, right. This, this show must go on. And, and that's what we did in the you know, major leagues as well until we had access to, you know, you had to have a weight room for the visiting team and it, it became a lot better, but we still brought our stuff because we needed more kettlebells. Cause that was you know, part of our, our programming. And so I've kind of carried that with me here to be able to have, you know, mini bands or tubing or TRXs, medicine balls, whatever it is, you just put on a roll of trunk and go. Um, and so, you know, that Thursday night we have practice on the road. Friday morning we typically come back and, and our hitters hit at the facility. So, you know, if Monday we had already lifted, Thursday is a travel day, maybe we got something in if Wednesday wasn't an off day or something got messed up uh, or we had an opportunity to lift. Um, and so that Friday morning when the hitters go to hit, We'll usually split the group. So they get 30, 30 minutes to hit while one group is hitting, the other group is training with me. So whether it's, you know, a little boot camp style, you know, on the indoor facility or out on the field, uh, at least we're getting a little bit of something and we're getting them out of bed. We're getting the blood flowing. You know, they've had a good breakfast before we get there. And so the road is a little bit different in season. Um, and then we just try to kind of stay on that routine, you know, and guys kind of like it and, and you get a little more creative with it. You know, sometimes you, don't have a visiting weight room or, you know, certain times aren't available, but most of the teams uh, in our league are pretty accommodating, but you know, you, once you get to that in season, the whole thing you've tried to preach is being on a routine, being consistent, and you've got to try to establish that going into the season. And then obviously try to plan for as much as you can, depending on your travel schedule, a number of games per week, you know, and, and we typically play, you know, a Tuesday midweek and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but in the SEC, they will go Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so, you know, now you're traveling on Wednesday to get there, right. um, you know, after playing Tuesday, things like that. And so you've got to kind of learn and plan and shift. And I think that that goes into the off season and preparation piece. And even in the preseason is trying to refine that is the phase that we just got through with, you know, our, our fall phase is just, we kind of knew when guys were throwing, it was pretty scripted. Um, definitely don't have our, our starting rotation yet, but we've done some things to just say, Hey, what does this feel like doing all total bodies? You know, instead of breaking it up, lower, upper, things like that is just being able to do it now. Cause their volume on, on the mound is, is, is pretty high, but it's not, you know, what it would typically be innings wise once we get in season, but now's the time to kind of experiment with that. What do you like? What do you don't like? And I think that gets back to, you know, one of the former questions you asked is just giving them some ownership of it too, because I can give them a program and if they don't feel good or they're not performing well, we're not doing each other any good, right? It's just giving them some liberty and opportunity to say, Hey, you know what? I really like this total body thing, or, you know what? I've got more time because I want to split this up and this makes me feel better. You know, we started maybe their deadlift as their, their first workout the day after they threw but maybe they didn't feel as good as if they did their deadlift closer to they got on the mound and they want to flip it and do their squat the day after, you know what I mean? Things like that is it's up to them. I'm not the one out there pitching and performing, you know? Um, and so it's just a time to experiment because yeah, it still matters, but I want them to get comfortable and have some ownership once we get to the the real deal when the season starts. And 
you know, we scrimmaged a lot this fall. And so our position players um, probably didn't get to train on as many days as we wanted to, but we needed to make up some ground. And the priority was being on the field playing every day. And so, you know, those things that you need to sacrifice for some more gamesmanship and they're getting beat up out there, but having a couple of days, you know, where you would normally train, you know, maybe three to four, we had to cut it back to two, but you know what? We're scrimmaging five days in a row because we needed it. And after two of those scrimmages, because we didn't have as many innings that night, maybe we played four innings instead of seven. They're going to come in for a 20 minute workout, not a 45 minute workout. You know, and they come in, they hit two primaries, two mobilities or accessory lifts and they're out of there, you know, and they, they kind of like that because they, they still want to train. It doesn't need to be a 45 or 15 minute workout. They've hit their bench. They've hit a heavy pool. If it's an upper day or we've, you know, done um, a lower body hinge with an upper push and then flipped it on, you know what I mean? And we just be creative with it and kind of broke it up. It's almost like the micro dosing. I know that that's been on a couple of your podcasts and that's what we did with several guys in Toronto on the big leagues. Cause they get overwhelmed with, especially we don't, do a lot of post-game lifting uh, because our days do get do get pretty long. Um, but guys are like, I can't come in and lift that long. Well, you don't have to. You can be in and out in 10 to 15 minutes, and that's kind of the approach because our number of, of scrimmage games um, went up this year is it kind of cut out some lifting days, but we were able to kind of sneak it in on the back end because it was more of a microdosing at that makes right. sense. And so um, it, it was pretty cool. Things. And I think a lot yeah. – like, and I because I, the way my mind goes with that is just how much – guys can do at a lower level that don't have the facilities that could have a bunch of balls or kettlebell, even just right at, the, at, at their, at their, at their park. You know I mean? I just, I just feel like that's a, that's a concept that I feel could take off with a lot of guys, you know, with trying to do a, do, do a lot with the little. Yeah. And, and I know we had kind of talk off air a little bit about that is, you know, when I first got here, we, we trained in our Olympic, facility which is across the street from our baseball um field and stadium and, and our other facilities because we didn't have a, a baseball only weight room and you know there was an extra rack sitting in the back of our um big field house and i was like man can i take this rack out it's just got some hurdles and stuff just stored on it right and so in the off season when i got there which was you know right when school started in august right before we hit fall um, scheduling was great. You know, we walk across the street, we do our deal. We're in there four days a week. And then all of a sudden you start team practice and you still got to walk across the street. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which I know, um, <laughs> not that big of a deal, but with changes in our schedule and, and, and being courteous to other teams that had to be in the facility, like there's not a ton of flexibility sometimes. Right. And, and, and so I said, Hey man, can I just bring this rack to our bullpen because our bullpen is huge it's awesome and um like yeah sure no problem so it was slowly like all right now we got this rack out there but we can get a little bit of stuff done and so it's like all right i got some medicine balls i got some mini bands i've got yeah. hey by the way tracks getting rid of some old hurdles out there you want some of those i'm like yes yeah. and so you know especially the day-to-day -day we're in fall we're scrimmaging is like i don't I need to be in the bullpen because I help out in the bullpen as a bullpen coach. And um, which, which is actually pretty awesome because I get to go down there with, with our bullpen and um, 
if guys need to stretch or guys need to get warmed up or, you know, I'm really good at answering the radio now. I'm just hoping I put the right guy on the mound to, to get hot to go in the game. Right. But, um, you know, if a guy needs a stretch or I can actually see him throw, maybe I can see a little bit more of, of things we're working on from a mechanical standpoint. Um, yeah. Maybe well, the you coach probably see some patterning stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I can kind of get an idea of, of what they're feeling, what we worked on. And, and I'm not a pitching coach, but, you know, it's cool to see. I'm, I'm not making suggestions down there. That's not what uh, my job is down there. But I think it's a cool opportunity to to sit and chat with those guys during the game, right? Like, hey, when you get on the mound tonight to warm up, like we're not we're, – I don't want you thinking about what we're working on in the weight room or down here in the bullpen, you know, a couple of days ago working on some some patterning or whatever it is or, or engaging your lower body or you were tight here that we worked on in the weight room and how did it feel in your bullpen session and are you ready to go tonight? Like those are some pretty cool – conversations to have and so i had a rack down there i got some medicine balls it was kind of what you're just talking about it not low budget but low budget man but we got a ton of work done we had boot camp out there now it was really cold in the winter time because <laughs> it was like a, a wind tunnel down there but you know what we we went down there we grinded it out some battle ropes like it was i have to send you a picture man it was it was, was awesome we had a ton of work just because we had more flexibility. You know what I mean? You're yeah. throw the radio on out there. It's a huge space actually. And, you know, other than the not being waterproof, um, you know, if you can do a little bit of water and some, some saggy, uh, you know, soggy turf out there, like it was, it was kind of cool. And, and the reason I kind of bring that up is that, you know, COVID kind of hit that next year and, you know, we were still training across the street at our Olympic facility, you know, when we needed to, when we had to take bigger groups over, um, you know, that little setup in the, in the bullpen kind of got us through our day to day, you know, not team lifts. Like we, we needed to go over there for team lifts, but you know, we get to COVID and it's like, crap. Okay. Now we're shut down. And when we come back, we couldn't have everybody in that facility at one time and scheduling mm -hmm. was an absolute nightmare. And it was like, what are we going to do? And I was like, okay, well, guys are used to training outside. We got a ton of space out in front of our stadium <laughs> that we're not using because mm -hmm. the bullpen, even though it's nice for kind of small groups, like it's not big enough and we have to spread out. We could have more people training together, socially distanced outside. And so what we did is we, we created an outdoor weight room um, right yes. out in front of our stadium. You know, Coach Thompson called it Muscle Beach and we're able to set up, you know, some stall mats and just kind of individualize um, – little training space is kind of what you saw. I'm sure some gyms do with mm -hmm. kind of giving you a little, you know, eight by eight space or whatever. And, and that's the kind of concept I went and got some, you know, roller trunks and put items that they didn't have to necessarily share. Uh, obviously we wiped everything down after each group, but you know, we could train in a little bit bigger groups. We were socially distanced. We were outside, you know, there was a kind of the fence that surrounds our stadium. So we could hang TRXs up there. We could hang tubing. We could do, a multitude of things, which was cool, but inside kind of like a rolling, you know, toolbox, it's just an open wheeled, um, you know, trunk or whatever. Yep. You've got kind of one of everything that you need. You know, there's TRXs, there's jump ropes, there's battle ropes, there's um, different colored and resistance tubing in there. And so everybody kind of had their own little trunk. And so everybody kind of had their own little space and their own little stall mat with their own trap bar, you know, things like that, where we just worked in stations. It allowed us to kind of hit the basic patterns, which we needed some work on, 
you know, cause we didn't have all, we had one, that same rack. I took apart and took it from the bullpen and put it out in the front of the stadium, <laughs> mainly used for TRX mounts. Right. Um, but you know, we did have the, the squat bar and guys that could really squat good got under there, but you know, with, with less, it allowed us to really get back to what mattered, mm-hmm. um, to really get into, and we, you know, had a strip of turf out there, had some, uh, some step up plow boxes that we used for benches for bench press. We got kettlebells. Like it was, it was awesome, man, but it it really gave us an opportunity with less. And I think we got more out of it because guys understood and appreciated like, okay, we don't need all the bells and whistles to, to number one, get a good workout in, but all right, this is time to really focus on, on what matters most master the simple things. Um, and it was good, man. Like we got so lucky with weather because it wasn't protected by rain. I mean, the turf got wet sometimes, but I think we had one thunderstorm that shut us down. But, you know, other than that, we just got really lucky. It got a little cool out there sometimes, but, you know, it was it was different. It was a, a solution to, you know, a pandemic that affected not only us, but a lot of people. And we were just fortunate enough to, to be able to get some extra equipment that we would um, move into a project I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about here soon, but kind of our future weight room project that you know hey we're not just wasting money on some equipment that's going to get all nasty is that we want to move this into kind of our new space as we were getting our our hitting facility done that just came online this january is kind of the original plan for the old batting cages which are right behind our visiting dugout inside um was used that as a pitching lab a few years ago and you know i, I didn't want to come in and say Hey, can I just have that as a weight room? <laughs> you know, cause I, I was a new guy. Right. But right. I think just my relationship with coach Thompson and understanding, um, you know, especially to compete in our league from a facility standpoint and, and having our own weight room and how essential that is from our day-to-day operation to give us more flexibility to, you know, do what matters, you know, from, from a strength standpoint, you know, and, and just, it's not trying to, not work out with anybody else. It's just our schedule is, is crazy. Uh, we needed a space. And so, you know, I just proposed initially is like, Hey, it's going to be a pitching lab. Can I just have half of it? <laughs> you know, cause we basically had two tunnels in there is, can I just have half? All right. That's how we kind of drew it up. And, and as the conversations go on, like most of our pitching technology now is portable and we could take it wherever we want, whether it's in the bullpen, whether it's in our new hitting facility, if we have to go in there and throw pins because the weather's bad. And he said, you know what, let's just make this whole thing a weight room. I'm like, sweet, let's do it. You know? So um, once that new hitting facility came online, um, you know, we were able to move that stuff that we had outside kind of in there for the meantime. Um, It's kind of been a a two year project. And this past weekend, we actually just laid the flooring down. So uh, it's pretty exciting. I believe the equipment's going to be here next Tuesday. So I say all those things to, to say that we've, we've had to be creative, um, because of a scheduling issue and just, you know, having more flexibility to those teams and being able to be blessed with, you know, some equipment that we, we were able to, to get for our guys is, um, you know, we, we've kind of (laughs) grinded, I keep saying that word, but that's what we're, that's what baseball players do, right? That's what we do. Um, and you make adjustments, man. That's what the game teaches yeah, us to I, do. And, and 
we've been blessed to have those things. I don't want to, you know, say we've, oh, woe was us. We didn't have all these racks and like fancy stuff. But bottom line is our guys understood kind of the end goal that will hopefully be put together at the end of next week to get to where we have our racks back. We have a nice indoor space. Um, flooring is is better. We've got our platforms. You know what I mean? We've got our Kaisers on the wall. And, and just to kind of appreciate and look back like, man, you know what? We our evolution of kind of our 30,000 square foot weight room we share with Olympic sports to one rack in the bullpen to, all right, we got muscle beach outside in the middle of winter, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, to, all right, now we're back inside. It still looks like batting cages, but you know, we've got our kettlebells. We've got our one rack. If we need it, we've got some deadlift platforms. We got our plow, box, you know what I mean? Like to, okay. You know, our guys are ready to get back to, to lifting and, and lifting heavier weight. And I think what they, you know, we, we do surveys at the end of fall um, with all of our guys to, to get feedback from coaches, from athletic training room to equipment room, to strength and conditioning, to, you know, all of the different areas to, cause we want to hear from our guys, what they like, what they don't like. And, you know, they're, they're pretty honest and they're like, you know, we just need to lift more weight. And I think what that means is we need to get back under the rack we need to get, you know, over the trap bar and, and get some heavier weight because we have the smaller ones and we need time to load it up with some longer ones, you know. And 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 now that our weight room has been under renovation, we've gone back to our Olympic facility, and those guys are a little bit more sore than they were <laughs> over the last two years. We've yeah. been able to get under a bar, you know, right. and it's hard to share one rack with with all of our guys, and it just wasn't able to happen. And and I appreciate their patience with it. And, you know, I didn't see a lot of takers for, you know, the 45 or excuse me, the 44 kilo kettlebell on their goblet squat, but they had that option at the time, but it, it, it can be, you know, a little difficult to, to get up there sometimes. So I understood that, you know, if they wanted to grab the 24 instead of the 44, that was their <laughs> choice. But, you know, I understand their point was we, and coach Thompson has said it too. We need to, to move more weight. We need to get stronger. And I agree. We just didn't have what we needed to at the time. Sure. And hopefully they understand that, Hey, it was a really good chance to work on our patterning that it's going to now translate. And we've seen that over the last um, week, week and a half that we've, we've lifted, um, you know, back at our original spot for the time being mm -hmm. it's different, right? It's different. Look, it's a different feel. Um, and it's, it's going to be good for our guys to kind of get back back into that um here for the next few weeks i think it's going to be done by thanksgiving so they'll be able to use it um for two weeks and then um you know we won't see until the beginning of the season but from a programming standpoint too like, you kind of got to be a little more general with what you have and now with all the new bells and whistles i'm gonna have to rethink like oh man i have this i can use that you know so it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be good but it's gonna you know not that it doesn't take a lot of thought to organize kind of the different groups and things that we've had to do but now it's like, okay, I don't, and I say this, not that I was limited in selection before, but now I don't necessarily have to be, you know, and we can program things to the racks and we can do everything. Um, I would say endless, but <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to change my thought process, which is a good thing. And we haven't, I haven't had that opportunity in a while. So we're, we're looking forward to some new digs here soon. Oh, you're going to love it. It sure won't be, it'll be a great problem. Great problem to solve for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, I was wondering, like, so, like, when you go sit down with programming, like, let's say you're sitting down as a coach, is that you talk about groups? Is that one of the things? Like, what what kind of groups are you putting um, with within your weightlifting programs? Your programming, like groups of athletes or just groups? Yeah, of- you said you were like you you said you were had to plan your groups. Are you yeah, just typically like talking like when when to come in, or are you talking specifically yeah. groups based off of their like assessments based off of who they are? Yeah, I think that would be a really cool place to to get to. I know we we touched on that player fro- profile piece. Oh yeah, right. Briefly, right. Um, we're not there yet. Um, you know, I think it's. There's a lot of moving parts when you have, you know, our, our skill work sessions um, leading up into our team practices. You've got um, pitchers that are throwing on certain days that aren't throwing on certain days. And so I think logistically and then, you know, still keeping guys in, in smaller groups, there's still some protocols that, you know, okay. uh, a lot of us are still under in some respects, um, you know, to, to being aware of you know, keeping some smaller groups, even though um, maybe some restrictions have or haven't been lifted the time of day that they're going to do their skill work. You know, when are they coming to you? Um, you know, are they, are they, you know, typically the pitchers will be split into different groups that might be throwing bullpens until we start our, our team practices on different days. And so you've got one group doing their before, maybe they're on the pin, whether it's a mobility day, maybe a neural where they're, you know, kind of doing some activation stuff, getting ready for their pin you know, that next group has already thrown their pin there on day one. And, you know, it's, you've got guys that we had kind of trained as, or or we're going to treat as um, starters, others that are relievers and kind of starting to get into those categories. And so one of those groups going to be on the field or when are they throwing, you know, and so you got position players as well. And it was, it, it seems to be like, okay, I spend after our staff meeting, which, which is a really good problem to have is, you know, Hey, we're organizing our day. We're talking about it. All right these guys are on different days. Like what workouts are they doing on those days? Because I want them to understand, all right, this is what day you're doing this. This is what day you're doing that. And, and leading up to, you know, we, we try to take it week by week and we understand that the things change, but just trying to make sure they're, they're doing the certain workout on a certain day, obviously, if that makes sense, depending on when they've thrown or they're going to throw, um, you know, this, this fall we had, you know, 6am workouts uh, leading up to, to our, um, our fall team practice, um, in the past, you know, when they come back to campus, it was, we, we don't like our, our pitchers to do, especially an upper body lift on the days that they're throwing, you know, typically they'll throw in the afternoon and, you know, we'll do a lift afterwards. So, you know, our typical fall would start once school started and everybody's cleared because there's always an onboarding process and guys getting cleared at different rates with, you know, certain medical things or, you know, we, we try to accelerate that as best we can. If, you know, returners are a little bit easier than the new guys. You know, some of the new guys have already gone to to summer school, which is is a really huge advantage. You know, something maybe to hit on is, you know, those – I think we had 12 or 13 guys plus a few um, veteran guys that maybe had gone to, to summer ball and came back early and trained with us here is, you know, the summer is an awesome time for them to, to get to know me, get to know an athletic trainer because they, they can – you can work with them pretty much, um, you know, year round. And, and there's certain limitations with that, obviously, but to kind of get used to my style, understand their, their routine in the training room. And so that's a really good time to show them their arm care routine, their pre-throw routine, you know, what they do before they even pick up a baseball, 
and kind of get those freshmen and, and incoming transfers, things like that, that are coming to summer school, kind of a head start. And so once we get back into the, the flow and the rush of it, you know, they're obviously we're going to take time to explain things, but that's a little bit more accelerated. And so um, that was good. And then we, we roll right into typically the position players would, would lift, you know, say Monday, Tuesday, Thursday in the mornings, and then pitchers would lift in the afternoons. And then you always have class times, right? And so when you're trying to schedule all these workouts, you've got a handful of guys at eight o'clock class. And so they have to come and lift at six to give them an hour in between. You know what I mean? So when you get to this whole scheduling thing, there's always these class times too, right? And so some right. kids have later classes and early classes. And so sometimes it's best just to do it at 6 a.m. Everybody's done by 7, 7.15. They can get their eight o'clock class or go home and go back to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's it. But what we did this fall, in a typical fall, like, Position players have to get up. Pitchers, hey, man, we can sleep in. And then we do a team conditioning on Friday morning where it's, you know, road Omaha type challenge stuff. We pick our teams and we're just getting after it. Maybe there's some sleds or some stadiums involved and, you know, things like that. And so this year it's like, you know what? No, everybody's getting up. And if pitchers need to throw, they're going to throw in the morning. They're going to do some conditioning. Coach Thompson took it. Coach Hudson took it. You know, we got position players running around. Like it was, it was awesome. So, you know, the pitchers, they're probably mad at us this year, but you know, everybody's up. It was one for all, all for one. It was awesome, man. Like, you know, we get out there, flip on the lights. Hopefully didn't wake up anybody in the, the dorms that are right there attached to our field. But you know, it was, it was awesome to have, you know, and we're not going to beat pitchers up if they still have to, you know, do something in the afternoon. But you know, if we had two different groups. Like I said, if, if you're throwing that day, get your throwing program done, your conditioning, and then you come back and lift in the afternoon. And then, you know, vice versa, if you're, you're not throwing that day, Hey, get your conditioning in, get your agility stuff in some circuits, some mobility stuff, you know, some different things that we did this fall to get everybody involved as opposed to kind of splitting it up like we've done um, in years past. And so it was good, man. It was good. It almost seems like that was, almost because of COVID where you couldn't get together. You know what I mean? It seems like that might have been the luck, luck, look. We just got to get as much time as we can together. So that seems like it was very wise. Uh, yeah, we, there. We, we, we felt that sense of, of needing to do that. And it wasn't about, yeah. you know, running guys into the ground. It was about, hey, let's all get up and let's do right. this. And that's all. Yeah. We're still going to work this afternoon and we're going to do our deal. And it, I think it brought us together. Yeah, we're all tired for a bit, right? But we know uh, fall practice is right around the corner, and the guys like, all right, we're not, we're not getting up early once fall practice starts. I'm like, no, you guys are good. So, <laughs> we'll get, we'll get back to it a little bit afterwards. But um, I don't know if I answered your question. I don't remember what the original question was, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, just about grouping, and I, I think I think you touched on it. You know, I mean, uh, it, I think because uh, I, I think people they, when they just don't know. Um, you know, you think about the traditional, everybody's doing the same thing, you know, kind of, kind of workout and that people, you know, it's still better than nothing. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just also trying to tailor it to like using your expertise and thinking, cause you've hit on recovery. Uh, you've hit on, Hey, you got to do something in mobility circuit, you know, like, are there's like, just like the, you kind of touch base with, with your muscle beach because you got down to mastering the simple, like what kind of simple things like that? Cause I think there's, you can really use your expertise here as, like that you would really say like you need to hit on these things. Like what kind of recovery things are absolutes, you know, you talk about uh, uh, pre-throwing stuff like arm activation. Like what are like the absolute, like the simple things that you just love? Yeah, that's a good question. 
I think, you know, in, in Toronto, we, and I stole this, you know, we always did strength t-shirts, you know, you see barbells on there with your logos, things like that. And, and I believe they still use it and I'm stealing it. I'm not going to apologize. I think, you know, we, we put prepare work, we put prepare work, recover and repeat that process daily on there. Okay. And I think at first it was, it was just different because we usually have, you know, pictures, we have other sayings, but I think if you had to describe like a philosophy, that's it, right? Like it was a lot of food for thought versus just kind of slapping some blue up there with, uh, you know, the barbells hanging off the side. And right. and I still use that because I, I think the importance of that is preparation is so important. And that takes there's so many things on preparation, right? Because that's, that's kind of how you start a routine. That's kind of how we try to lay out the weight room is, Hey, the first thing you do when you come in, um, Hey, foam roll, lacrosse ball, you know, we've got the, the hyper ice guns or Thera guns or whatever everybody else has is just kind of getting the mindset of, you know, not stretching a cold rubber band. It probably is going to break, but if you can kind of warm it up, it, it stretches a little bit more. And I know our head trainer, um, always, that's so Anthony, but um, I, I think that's that's pretty powerful, right? Is just getting him in the routine of, and I guess you could say, hey, you've never seen a cheetah stretch either, right? But um, <laughs> I think the importance of hey, there, there's a lot of work to do. How do I prepare? How do I get my mind right? You know, am I preparing for a workout? Am I preparing to go throw? Am I preparing for a conditioning session? Uh, or am I just preparing to go do some drill work? Is you know that's the time to kind of all right. I'm focused on getting some soft tissue work in certain areas, but it's kind of getting that mindset right of like, Hey, I'm, I'm fixing to go do some work. And if something is tight or something doesn't feel right, like now's the time to kind of attack that, if that makes sense. And so, you know, preparation takes a lot of forms, but it's, you know, having that mindset of, all right, what am I going to go attack? How do I do it? What tool am I going to use? And there's plenty of tools all over the weight room and in the training room. And our guys usually start, and finish the day with us. Right. And I'm sure you've heard other strength coaches say that too. We've, we've got our, you know, eyes and ears and hands on those guys from the moment they step in the building till the moment they leave. And we spend more time with, with them than, than we do our family sometimes. Right. And so, because it's important is, you know, starting that day off with whatever it is um, to go do work, you know, so prepare work like that. We're working every day. It doesn't mean we're lifting every day. It doesn't mean we're running every day. It's, Hey, it could be, a mobility session. It could be, you know, Hey, I have heavy throwing today and some conditioning, whatever it is. And a workout, you know, is, is what is my work today? Is my work just rehab? Um, you know, is my work recovery and we'll get to that next, you know, but yeah. you know, what, what is it for that day? Like, what is the focus? And so you've prepared your mind, your body to, to do whatever that work is for the day and recover and i think during especially in season we're more recovery specialists um yeah we're training but i think it's working with nutrition athletic training and, and just trying to monitor whatever we can sleep um you know mental health all that stuff is just recovering from yeah this fall was pretty tough hey let's recover hey i'm so stressed out right now because i've got exams i'm at home um forgot to eat breakfast this morning and lunch and now you know all those things is what kind of recovery methods and a lot of those are kind of the same preparation methods, right? Like we're back to the foam roll or how do we kind of decompress or is it some cold tub, hot tub contrast, 
you know, any of those types of things, um, recovery boots, any of that, you know, game readies, all of that stuff. And so we, we have a lot of things that the guys always dabble in, but once again, you know, it's, it's what works for them. And that big repeat pro that big repeat that I said after prepare work recover is what's that going to look like every day? You know, are you, are you going to come in here feeling a hundred percent every day? That's not going to happen as long as you're playing baseball, right? Is yeah. how do I keep this? And we talked about journaling earlier is like, what, what does that routine start to look, look like now, if I'm attacking my hamstring all the time, like we got to, most of the time we'll know about it, but like, what's the adjustment? What's the preparation kind of getting back to that profile that we've hit on a couple of times now is okay. We know what the movement screen looks like. We know what the targeted areas are. Does it continue to pop up? Have we addressed it? Can we clear that and go on to the next thing? So now that prep piece kind of changes a little bit. Obviously you're going to hit all those things from a, you know, just overuse from a baseball where I got tight hips, inactive glutes, mm-hmm. shoulders, lack of mobility, you know, all that type of stuff. Yeah. But maybe that prep piece changes as we've kind of made some progress on some areas and that work, you know, maybe that's changed a little bit because now we've got some, some force plate data to say, Hey, that load is down. That explode is down. Drive is still really high because you're cheating like crap to get there but you're not putting enough load into the ground. So now our work has to change where the focus of our squat is really getting into the squat and getting into the ground because you're just kind of flying through the concentric portion of your, your squat because you want to get out of there as fast as you can, because once again, you're cheating to get there. Right. And so we start to see, and and we're starting to put these profiles together that we've been talking about is everybody's in the same movement pattern, but maybe they're, working on certain points of that and so guys that need more load maybe they need more concentric work guys that have low explode maybe they are really good at putting load into the ground and have no idea how to transfer to get out of the chute right out of the bottom of the squat and so maybe we're doing some pin squats or you know certain ranges of motion where we're just working on the the concentric phase or eccentric phase or whatever it is based on kind of their movement profile and sometimes you know we've established some baselines but like I said, if, and guys are, are, are in buckets or we're starting to put them in buckets and seeing scores change over time. And, and what does that look like where you've got guys that are, your vertical jumps are, are going down over the course of the fall. And it's like, man, what the heck's going on? Like, is this guy been doing stuff on his own? Is he overtraining? Is he overworking stuff that we don't see that we're picking up once a week on the scans, you know? And so I think, with all these pieces coming in and just kind of getting back to, to the force plate stuff is, you know, with the pitchers kind of knowing when they're going to throw is like, all right, we're going to, we're going to test them the day after they throw their score is probably going to be down from baseline because maybe they pitched one or two innings or, or, you know, 40 pitches versus 50 versus 75, whatever it is. Cause at the beginning of fall that that workload is not very high because we're trying to build up. Right. Right. So if those guys were kind of as a, designated starter so they're really they know hey we're throwing every friday and here's this series of guys and they're all thrown on the same day and so we would test them the day after they threw and then the day before so what we want to see is yeah you probably expect it to be down on day one but by the time i get to day six or day seven have i gotten that score or recovery 
kind of back up to what their baseline was before. And then, you know, if you're a relief pitcher, you might be thrown a little bit more frequently. So we're kind of doing the same thing as like, okay, what are the best days to kind of test their jump to see if they're fatigued or not um, and start to see trends. And then once a week for our, our players. Um, and so we're just trying to put those profiles together on number of games that week, how many innings they pitched, how many appearances they had, um, or those heavy lift days, you know, um, things like that to be able to kind of put them in some more buckets to where for the most part, you know, we, we talk about individualizing programs all the time. And I think we can do that through corrective exercises, through things that we're trying to work on through some of this, um, you know, force plate analysis, things like that, where you've got your guys that need to work on load. You got your guys that need to work on explode. You got guys that need more drive because they're strong as crap and they just don't know how to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of start to say, okay, you've got your deadlift today. You're really strong and it's pretty slow off the ground today. We need to work on bar speed. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so you give them a different focus, um, for that day and it becomes even more individualized. And then all of a sudden you start to see the, the scores kind of adjust and we're, and we're still a work in progress, but you know, like I said, for the pitchers, you're, you're looking at their top belows and you're working at your, their average belows and just on fastballs, right. To kind of see over time, like how does that start to correlate and to say down the road, as we get into the season through all of this and, and making adjustments, and things like that is can a guy, if he's a reliever, go back to back nights or, you know, if he comes in and tests and his scores at a certain, and, and we're not, going to tell, you know, Coach Thompson or whoever who's not going to pitch or who's in the lineup, but it's information, right? It's can we be more strategic uh, with our lifts, specific with our lifts, get guys what they need versus what we think they want, and then how do we use that and make it actionable, right? Like we've got all this data, and, and I'm not a sports scientist, and luckily we have some staff members that, that are helping us with that and, and having a sports science intern for our department is we need to make these actionable. And it's like, hey – maybe this guy is good to get back-to-back nights. Like his, his data has shown us that it's pretty good or, Hey, you know what? We've got to change some stuff up on our Friday night starters program. Cause the last two weeks he's been trending down. Like what, what is it? You know, is it just because he's, he's walking more guys or he can't locate it, you know, whatever it is, he's, he can't get deep into games because of pitch count, not because he's not in shape, you know, things like that. And so is it, is it more mental? Is it more physical? And, you know, as we begin to kind of see these tracks and trends is that that's interesting to me is, everybody's kind of on the same program, but how do we get specific based on these buckets of like, and, and those can change too, right? Like it's not an, an absolute of like, man, if you're a low load guy, like you're there for the whole year, like, no, that that's probably not what we want. Right. We need to kind of get guys out of that is, is understanding that there's, as we get more information, some, you know, some ebbs and flows and, you know, our, everybody's always chasing below. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but um, you know, it's just giving our guys more information to, Hey man, you can start to see on these graphs, like your numbers are going down. And, and even as simple as, you know, body weight, they weigh in every time they jump is, you know, what's going on with that body weight. It's a conversation piece. So like, man, you're down 10 pounds. Like what's going on? Like your numbers are down. Like, man, coach, you know, I'm, I'm stressed out. I really haven't been eating right. You know, things like that is, Hey, let's get with our nutritionist. Let's let's, you know what I mean? It's an, it's an, the, the more frequent you test, I'm not saying we test all the time, but it's just another check-in point with these guys. Right. And, and they'll come yeah. in and jump and it's like, their, their third jump out of their fourth jump, like to jump with their eyes closed, like something's going on, man. Like, are you okay? No, I'm, I'm fine, coach. 
He's going to come back in an hour and he's got a, a workout. Are you okay, dude? Oh man, my, I'm, I'm, I haven't slept. My legs are killing me. I'm like, all right, you're not working out today. Like I said earlier, you're going to go grab a foam roller <laughs> and you're going to get the, you know, the Theragun and you're going to go in the cold tank before you go home. You're not lifting today. You know, and that's that human piece of like, that's yep. what the numbers are telling me. You try to get out of it. And I know you're here working your butt off when I'm, when I'm not, you know, which is good because you're a worker, but you know what? Like your body weight is down 18 pounds and you look and feel like crap. Like you're probably overtraining you need a day. You know what I mean? So I think oh, yeah. you start to kind of see those or, you know, and, and not to get off topic here, but we've had, you know, guys that were trending up on our scores had really good weeks. I'm not saying that they hit a home run every time they went up to bat or they, you know, got a hit, but you know what guys that were trending down, they weren't doing too good. And I don't know what that means yet. It just means that they're probably not feeling good. You know, maybe they're playing more baseball than they're used to. They might not be in as, as best shape as we want them in or they want to be in. And so it's information, right? It's like, okay, what does this look like? And now that we've kind of stopped playing a little bit, like those are kind of ticking up, but you know what? We had to go through, kind of breaking guys down because they're playing more than they probably ever have. Right. That that's to be expected. Right. And it gives us some information on, you know, our side of, of how to manage it. Right. Like I told you before, we're probably more recovery specialist in season is like, all right, what does this look like? Cause that's a, a pretty tough snapshot of, of what fall look like and how do we manage it? How do we educate our guys on it? Because guys want to, you know, they're interested in their scores. They're like, okay, it's down this week. It's down this week. Like, man, what, I don't know. You tell me what's going on, right? Like, okay, I've been, <laughs> you know, my back's been hurting me and, you know, they're trying to earn a spot like some of the young guys, right. Or, or transfers like, you know, guys are trying to earn spots, but you know, I think they understand what we're trying to do is, is really put together a solid program for them specific for them based on their needs. So the more we kind of know about what they need, um, I think they're going to have an appreciation for, for what that is and just get back to your, your point on equipment. It kind of comes back full circle is, you know, even in that 30,000 square foot facility, I talked about across the street that we're using right now. Sometimes our lifting session is we're setting up hurdles. There's a foam roller, there's a stretch band and there's a, a medicine ball and we can get some work in, in 30 minutes. You know what I mean? So it doesn't, it doesn't take much. I think it takes some creativity and we, we know, uh, and, and coaches ask me all the time, you know, it's, you don't have to have, a huge budget it's you know what can you get the most bang for your buck and i think it kind of gets back to your question is when you're mastering the simple things it's like you don't need all these racks because you know what like your kids can't do a bodyweight squat and shouldn't be under a rack anyway <laughs> you yeah. know so it's kind of having an understanding of those those movement patterns that are essential and, and the fms kind of obviously addresses all those it's just a you know a big net that just says hey man there might be something going on here you know we're not um, saying this muscle's not working or that one. It's just like, hey, you know what? We picked up some ankle dorsiflexion stuff because we screened it. Your drive is down on your jump score because you don't really know how to get into triple extension because you you hurt your ankle a few years ago and it's really asymmetrical compared. You know what I mean? You start getting into all these things. It's like, oh, oh, and by the way, that's your land leg when you're on the mound and you can't get over your front side. You so go. those things kind of start showing up, if that makes sense. And so really establishing a foundation with less kind of what we had to go back to, right. Is like, and I don't have a list right now, but it'd be probably awesome to talk about. It was like, all right, what are the essential things? Right. And it's, I think the point of like, what, what do they have an understanding of, I guess, as a coach is they all need to squat. 
They all need to hinge. Y'all need to push. Y'all need to pull and probably carry some heavy stuff around. And what that looks like is different because we've probably already answered that question, but I think we answer your question again, because it's what movements are they doing on the field? What is essential for them to, you know, if you're a pitching coach and you're like, man, this kid just can't stand on one leg and balance and throw a baseball. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all right, maybe we need to work on balance or maybe his hips are tight or maybe he can't even lift his leg high enough. You know what I'm saying? So he's kind of breaking on his backside or falling here or falling there is a lot of coaches aren't equipped to, to maybe when I say diagnose that, you know what I mean? But um, I think they can kind of have an understanding of let's just get back to the basics of why is this infielder not in a good position to field a ground ball? Well, his hinge pattern is probably not really good. Right. And so what are some basic things that I can do with a PVC pipe, you know, behind my head and just, or some stuff up against the walls to really, or with some bands, you know, doing some pull throughs is like that pattern is going to keep showing up. And luckily we've, we've got a lot of in tune coaches on our staff and, and coach not a maker uh, who's our first base coach and infield instructor. Like he's always in the weight room. He understands. And he's like, Hey, this guy, this guy, this guy, like we need to work on the hinge pattern because he's not in a good fielding position, you know? And so you have that communication with your coaches of like, all right, when they're in the batter's box, they're up, they're upright too much or they're not, well, they probably have something that showed up on a movement screen that we're trying to address that, hey, you're, I think the coaches observed it, but they probably just don't know like how to work on it or get into it, you know, and it could be an ankle dorsiflexion restriction, a, a hip hinge, like a lot of our guys are quad dominant, right? And so yeah, the hinge pattern that's really essential, like guys just aren't comfortable getting there. Or they've got a low back issue or they had an ankle injury, um, you know, things like that. And I guess just having awareness of kind of what the fundamental patterns are understanding, like, are you seeing that from a kid out there that it just doesn't look right? Um, like how do I address that in the, not necessarily weight room, but through some, some loaded activities or even unloaded or from a mobility standpoint, right. Is I guess just having a better understanding of kind of what you're seeing, how to attack it, making time for it in your practices um, you know, if, if you understand that, you know, kids have weak this or weak that, or, you know, they've tried doing some push ups or just some body weight stuff or some lunges, or, you know, you got a kids that can't stand on one leg and balance, you know what I mean? Is like kind of having, I guess, an understanding of, you don't need all the bells and whistles. It's, you, we can address a lot of things with, you know, standing on one leg and, and throwing some of the cross balls and just having them balance. And we throw all of those things in, um, and sometimes not knowing why we're doing it, you know what I mean? But it's like, Hey, I want to do some balance stuff today. And I think just having fun with it too, because especially at the younger ages, the more structured you make it, it, it just doesn't work. Right. When you're making it fun and you're, and even our guys, I mean, they're older guys, but we're, we're doing some balance stuff. We're doing some Indian club stuff, you know, we're trying, nice. you know, whatever it is to, to kind of tackle whatever they're, they're trying to work on. But I guess having an awareness of, for us, it's movement. And if there's movement restrictions, we can see it. But I think if the player can understand it and feel it and give us that feedback, it's like, right, how do we attack it? And so I don't know if that answers your question about other coaches that might not be necessarily, I guess, equipped to do that is I think just keeping it simple, mastering the simple things. And, and you might not be a master of, of that, but it's I think that mindset of you don't have to have 
a full weight room and all the bells and whistles. If you've got some old track hurdles laying around, if you're a high school coach that they don't use and they're dusty, go clean them off and paint them. I've done it before. <laughs> you know, um, you can get some little mini bands. You can get some cheap jump ropes. Um, you can just get creative with some boxes. I mean, it gets a little dicey when you're trying to put together your own plow box, right? <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, you know, within reason is just, I think be creative understand that you don't always have to load it <laughs> you know and there's just a lot ton of body weight stuff that you can do is just you know there's a time and a place to get a little bit more specialized but um i think the more fun you can make it especially at a young age um the better cool cool man we've been we've been at it for an hour and a half now man me and you man it's crazy uh all right so last thing let's go let's just go last thing crazy uh just different because you you've kind of touched base on conditioning we've talked a lot about that and you've talked a little bit about your conditioning, which is recovery, and you didn't mention it at all. But so what kind of conditioning, you know, because like, you know, you've been in the game, you know, especially in the major league game for 16 years. And now within Coach Thompson and Coach Hudson and uh, just an incredible staff, what kind of conditioning do you like, you know, guys to partake in? <laughs> Maybe you found the weakness, right? No, I've, and it's funny you bring it up and, and if hopefully I don't ever have to do a job interview again, but I would say, you know, you always talk about strengths and weaknesses. Like I would say conditioning is, is a weakness. And the only reason I say that is because I think it's really, I would say easy, but easy or to discuss maybe sets and reps and, you know, periodization and things like that. Yeah. You think conditioning is, is easy and, I don't know if it is, but we're going to, we're going to talk through it. Um, you know, I think just kind of growing up through the ranks is, um, you know, every, when you look back on it, I think a lot of baseball conditioning was designed around the field because that's where you, where you had it, right? Like, okay, we can't really go outside these walls. And so, you know, we're doing poles or we're doing some variation of poles because that's kind of what our boundaries are. Right. And now we're going to get creative and kind of do these bow and arrow things. Right. And so, um, I say that kind of joking, but I mean, I think a lot of that, that works, but I think a lot of it's so like overplayed and drawn out because it's, you know, when I was playing high school and, and even coaching in high school, before I got into professional baseball, to some extent is, you know, we ran for punishment if we, if we screwed up, right. Like man, pulse stink, and then we got to do all this. And it was just, we didn't really have an understanding of it. And I think the last thing we want is, especially for our guys running is, is punishment. And maybe, you know, sometimes it is whether guys want to punish themselves or it's, you know, they, they get in trouble for something or, you know, it's whatever it is. Um, and so I think we've always designed it that way. Um, interestingly enough, in, in my time in Milwaukee, we actually did some, some sub max VO2 work with uh, Paul Robbins. He used to be an athlete performance out there. Um, some of the, the testing on the woodway and just because we wanted to know, you know, are our guys in shape and I don't know, they do everything I ask them to do if they're a starting pitcher on their five day rotation. And, you know, our relieving guys, they, they run all the time, right? Like we're good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, but that's not good enough. Right. And, and so we, we kind of went through, went through that testing and, and Paul did a, an awesome job and I think he's still at it and I haven't talked to him in years, but um just gave us a really good understanding of, Hey, you know, 
heart rate response and, and VO2 max, you know, we predicted it at the time because we weren't trying to get guys to pass out on the treadmill. But I think the purpose was like, okay, we can kind of start to, to kind of break out similarly what we're doing with profiles now on some of the other topics that we talked about is, okay, if you're a starting pitcher, maybe you need to be at, at this level. Like you are really good at long distance. That kind of showed up, but you're not really good at, so you're, you're good at, at slow and steady heart rate for a long period of time. But okay, what happens when heart rate is through the roof? Can you take a breath and deliver a pitch type of thing, right? And can you do that over and over again is sometimes those guys that are slow and steady never get into those higher heart rate stress type intervals and and things like that. And so there's other guys that were really good at getting their heart rate up, but they couldn't sustain it for a long period of time. And so just develop an understanding of kind of that aerobic, anaerobic and you know, do pitchers need to run all the time or is it a 30 minute run the day? You know what I mean? Is it a flush? Well, we don't really flush anything after because you know what I mean? It's lactic acid's already gone. And there's so much of this, like, I guess, old school stuff. <laughs> so, you know, as a, as a relief pitcher, maybe you needed to be at a certain level. And if you weren't high enough, you would kind of taper off after the all-star break, you know? And, and so we dabbled into a little bit of that and I don't know or remember kind of all the ins and outs, but, you know, it was interesting to kind of, start to get a grasp of maybe what kind of heart rate ranges guys needed to be in based off of their, you know, their screens on, on the submax VO2 stuff. And a lot of those to get in into those higher heart rate and stress zones, you couldn't do that running outside. And so you needed some resistance. And I think that's kind of where, you know, the old force woodway came in where you're, you're able to be, um, you know, held up from the back so you can get some higher speed stuff. And it leads into the development of the curve treadmill or some of these, you know, assault runners and things like that, where uh, a lot of the, you know, Kaiser bikes where you can kind of crank up the tension and things like that, where you, you have to be able to pedal hard. You only might hit it for five seconds, you know what I mean? But you're doing it over and over and over again. And so there's all these different strategies and I haven't mastered them all long story short. Right. But I think it gives you some thought into, okay, there's different conditioning for different guys and different roles and things like that. Um, especially in the big leagues. And even at our level, there's relievers that are probably out of shape, but they throw the crap out of the baseball and losing 10 pounds is probably going to affect their velocity. And that's not good. There's some guys that they probably need to be in better shape, but better shape for what. Right. And so, um, you know, I know Eric Cressy's a friend of mine and put out a ton of stuff. He's a, he's against long distance running. Um, I agree with a lot of that. You know, I think there's some old school thought, you know, from old school pitching coaches and, and just people that have been in the game a long time, like guys just need to, I get it. I think, you know, guys need to do both. And I think it needs to happen at certain times of the year and, and maybe monitor it a little bit more closely. You know what I mean? So it just doesn't become guys are just going out and running all the time is can we do all of it? Right. Like it's not going to hurt them to go out and do, and we did timed miles um, during our fall morning sessions, right? Like, okay let's see what your time is. And then the next time beat it by 15 seconds or 30 seconds, or, you know, whatever it is, as you, as you start to kind of put that competitive, um, you know, nature to it. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've kind of learned that, you know, training long and slow for a sport that, you know, requires you to be powerful and repetitive over and over again is I think there's some crossover with it. You know, I'm not anti this or anti that, you know, I think, we still do some of those things that are designed to do on a baseball field because, you know, we're not always out there to supervise it, but guys can start to adjust their intensities. They understand it. You know, there's some variety you can do with 
not just poles. You can do pole ladders where you're hitting, you know, full poles, three quarter poles, half pole. You know what I mean? You're making it more um, endurance based, but it's not fully aerobic. You know what I mean? We don't get technical maybe as we should be with, with that stuff, but you know, on certain days we put guys on the clock. And so, you know, they're doing, we're not just doing sprints. We're doing some tempo runs where you're starting to understand. All right. You know, week one, you've got, a longer rest interval. And then by the time we get to week three or four, the distance and the rest interval have been decreased. Right. And so we know that you're huffing and puffing, um, you know, but as you're, you're going through kind of the progression over weeks and we're adding, you know, yardage to that. Like, I think that's been helpful to get guys on the stopwatch. So they understand like, eh, we just can't hang out and talk over here for a little bit. Like we've got to, all right, we got to catch our breath and go if that makes sense. And so yeah, we kind of do a little bit of everything, man, whether it's, you know, cool. short sprints, long sprints, um interval sprints a little bit longer on our distance days but i think we've you know we have some agility days in there as well where you know if you're running long distance all the time sometimes we need to shorten it up right and we got to work on our change of direction and that kind of gets into some pfp stuff and and so i don't i don't have an answer um specifically no, answer. We, we still do a lot of that and, and the same with our uh position players you know i think especially with position players uh, it's a, it's a conversation that we, we always have with, um, you know, coach gross and coach Nunnemaker who do, you know, the running and conditioning, whether it's base running part of BP, whether it's a separate running session, when we're getting guys on the bases to run as a position player unit is, you know, I'm not going to do anything to double up on that is all right. They're, they're doing their technique stuff on the field. Right. Maybe I'm doing some, like they're doing their base running technique on those days. Okay. The days that I had, or maybe we're doing some footwork on the agility ladder. We're still getting conditioning. We're working on footwork, big jump rope now. So we're, we're trying to get some conditioning base and quick feet with jump rope. Um, you know, we still do our sprints, but maybe we're doing some technique stuff where we're doing, you know, falling starts, resisted sprints, a lot of sled work. So I think, you know, there's different modes to get conditioning in now. It doesn't always have to be running kind of getting back to that stuff that we did in Milwaukee is like, you know, once those intervals were had to, you had to do it on a bike or a treadmill, things like that, where, all right, everybody used to run outside. And now all of a sudden the GM looks out the window and nobody's running outside because we're all inside on the bikes. And it's like, our guys never run anymore. And it's like, well, now we're, you know what I'm saying? So there's all this like confusion of like, okay, like inside is good. You know, we've got the assault treadmill now, which is probably good for some bigger guys to get some pounding off their, you know, cause they've been outside running for the last two days. You know what I mean? And we've got, you know, the rowing machine, we've got the assault bikes now. And so I think we've got into this mode of like, okay, it's not a one size fits all it's individualized. If younger guys want to go out and run 10 poles, it's cool. You know what I mean? Like there's not like, he's getting some work. Let's maybe put it on a timer. Let's, 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 you know, kind of give it a goal if that makes sense. And it's just yeah. not a free for all. And Hey, you know what? We're going to, we're going to come inside and do some intervals on the assault bike or get the battle ropes or, you know what? carrying heavy kettlebells around is, is a lot of, as a lot of work and work capacity too. Right. So I think it's kind of defining it and put it in different buckets on different days. And you just kind of have your menu based on if a guy's running to the ground is like, Hey man, let's just come over here and yeah, do some, okay. some easy. Bikes today, right. Like, so I think maybe there's more variety and, and guys understand, you know, if you're on the road the night before and we're running Thursday night as a relief group, like you can't get too creative. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a little bit of, you know, maybe coach Thompson was old school and he'll say that like, you know, our, our pitchers were working their butts off. Um, 
at 6 a.m. On, on most days this fall. And it was awesome. And they needed it. And they they loved it. It was different, you know, more circuit type stuff. And there's, there's different ways, I guess, to, to answer your question on conditioning. It doesn't always have to be about running. Um, and some guys hate to run, you know, and guys are trying to keep weight on and the last thing they want to do. You know what I mean? But there's a time and a place Absolutely. and a, a team type deal. But I think there's so many different ways to look at it now. And, and looking at it is like it's about work capacity, you know, not just running capacity and volume. And there's there's a ton of different ways uh, to do it. You just got to be creative with it. Awesome. Man, but I, I really appreciate it. This is this is great. It's more than a, more than enough information to digest. It's gonna be like even <laughs> me going back to like holy moly, just thinking about it all. But I, I even just the way you ended it there, I think the different uh conditioning for different type of guys based on their development. And even at the end of the day, too, I think it's about like did they perform well? Then it works for them as there's too. There's there, there's just a part of that that you know, like you said, you want them to get engulfed in their routine. And if their routine's solid and they're performing well, okay, then that's going to work for them. I'm sure. Yeah. You and I, I think a lot of it is, you know, just at the end of the day, these, these student athletes and, and up and coming athletes at whatever level, like they're, they're humans at the end of the day. Right. And it's, you know, when you, you start to track stuff and we we've done this, you know, over the years, especially in the minor leagues is, you look at, at some guys and you're like, man, that guy needs, he is out of shape and needs to run more. And when you really look into it, he's your stud center fielder. He's chasing balls in the gap. He's worn out. He's always on the bases and has reached top speed 30 times this week. He probably needs a day off. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if I'm going to do anything with him, it's probably going to be some form running stuff, low intensity stuff, because he is absolutely gassed. But the perception is they're out of shape. no they're tired because they've actually hit a lot of those high intensity bands over the course of the week. You know what I mean? If you, you put a GPS on them, you'd be like, okay, he's got what he needs, but this guy over here who hasn't played in a week, like he probably needs to do some more conditioning. You know what I mean? So I think the perception sometimes is, Oh, this guy's, Oh yeah, he is tired, man. Like he, I know it's tough to get him out of the lineup, but maybe we can DH him today and just save his legs. You know what I mean? So there's different ways to look at the perception of, is this guy really out of shape or is he fatigued? But just because he's fatigued doesn't mean he's out of shape. Does that make sense of like, man, this guy's just, he needs a recovery day. He's not, you know, yeah. I think just looking at it like that can change your perception of, all right, what's the the right thing to do here? It's not more, more, more. It's, it's actually okay to kind of back off and, and give him a little bit of breather here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Coach Shorter, is there um anybody wants to talk more about you? Would you uh, what's the best way to do that? Talk yeah, more I'd say about your programming uh, things like that. Yeah, email is uh is probably good. So it's okay. cnj0018 at auburn.edu. You can also find that on our uh, Auburn website under baseball or strength conditioning. Cmj0018. Yep, CNJ0018 at auburn.edu. Coach Chris Joyner, strength conditioning coach at Auburn University, giving us a lot to digest. Just uh, one of the longer ones we've had here in a while, and just got a chance to just sit and talk, try to understand a little bit more about his program. We've got time to talk more even off, off the air about programming and 
I just love how, you know, just seeing the people are asking now is like the commonalities between a lot of the coaches having on and you see another great coach here in terms of one of the common things about is steering being the captain of their own ship having ownership in the program being making them become their best coach that is something that's come up multiple times in listening to all these great guys and then you hear this individualizing you hear a coach like coach joiner is that there's you have your principles and your things inside it, but you know they're you, you try to find what be, what works best for the guys, and what works best for one is not going to work best for another. And you got to just have that open, honest conversation with them, and and that looks different. You know, those conversations just look different between the ages and the development that we have. But each person can get those. It's harder work, but it's the better work. It's the right work. I love how we talked about uh, just a story about their. Uh, Moving, moving their weight room outside and, and getting the simpler, finer things. I think that's where a lot of people can find value. I think that people can find connection there because that's where a lot of us, a lot of people that don't have all the the fancy budgets and high budgets can do it. Like they need to be creative and need to do those things. And I think that's where a lot of the the great experiences come out of playing sports and the, and the great lessons that come out of playing sports. And, you know, there's just so much good things that come out of that and, I just really enjoyed that conversation, that part of it. Um, I love to talk about, you know, getting into the kids, getting into a routine and getting consistent with their routine. I think he's seen the guys play at the highest level, MVP seasons in the Major League Baseball, and probably saw how they were ingrained in their routine. And I'm sure they had to stay, just stay consistent with it. And that's where it comes back to, yes, maybe certain things might not be the best, but if it helps a person, if it's part of the routine and they're performing well, how do you say that it's not working, and how do you say it's not good? It's really hard. It's really hard, and um, you know, it kind of plays into the mental side of things as well. And and uh, but it's, uh, so it rings true. So that consistent routine, those are great, valuable lessons that's going to help them in everything. Just to try to find that new routine and be consistent with it, show up with it, just get started. Don't be perfect. Just get started. Get your routine and be consistent. What a great message. Coach Jordan, can't thank you enough. Will Miner, guys at Netting Pros, thank you guys. Appreciate you. Thank you all for listening. This is what this is about. It's what this is for. Here we are, an hour and 45 minutes in. Thank you for keeping with us. And until next time, keep getting better. <laughs>